Um, so, hi everyone. It's so nice to be here. Morning. Um, I'm Ali. For those of you who don't know me, I, do, I usually come to this service, hide at the back somewhere, to be honest. That's my usual space over there. Um, and uh, it's, it's so great to be here. Um, so, I've got the privilege of rounding up our series that we've been doing on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and I've, I've really enjoyed the series. It's been really helpful to me, to look at uh, kind of Jesus's longest section of teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. It's from um, Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7, um, and it's worth a listen again if you do, um, if you do have the time. Um, so we focused on how we kind of look to live as Jesus's disciples, how we might flourish in our day-to-day, how we might shine brightly for Jesus wherever we find ourselves. Society tells us that kind of how we behave is the most important thing. It does matter what goes by, it doesn't matter what goes on behind closed doors. It doesn't matter as much what our external motivations look like. Jesus teaches us here that it actually does matter across the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. Our behaviors are born from our character, from our heart. How we live really matters. And so we come to the wise and foolish builders. And it's a very familiar passage, I'm sure, but it would be great if we could just hear something new from it this morning. So I'm just going to read it out again. I know we had um, the amazing, uh, we we had Pete doing it earlier, which was fantastic, but I'm going to read it through again. So it's Matthew 7 from verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So the passage refers to the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, all the teaching we've had. It comes at the end of the teaching and says, listen, listen up, pay attention to everything I've taught you here. Now, I'm not a builder, that's probably obvious, but I'm not a gardener either. Um, If there are ever um, any rocks in the soil of the garden, I wimp out of even having a go. As soon as my spade hits that rock, I give up every single time. The hard slog of gardening, of building, would never be something that I have the physical stamina for. So here Jesus is telling us of two builders who set about building two separate houses. He describes the foundations of both houses. One built on rock, and the other built on sand, one wise and one foolish. The wise man dug and dug. He was there for days just digging the foundations. And when the foolish man had already probably finished his house, the wise man had only just got to ground level. He'd only just completed those deep foundations for his house. Digging through rock in the baking heat is really hard. But the wise builder knew the value in taking the time to make sure those foundations were deep and firm. The foolish man saw a spot. He saw it would be easy, and he just went for it. Sand is malleable, so there was no need to really build foundations. 
Now, I've always thought um, that the foolish man's house looked like it was about to fall down. But most commentators on the parable think that Jesus' point was that each house looked very similar at face value. Both houses looked really good. They might even have looked stable and as though they could withhold a storm. Scratching beneath the surface would show, show how different they really are. Digging foundations is hard. It's slogging. By the world standards, there's not a lot to show for it. The foolish builder had plenty to show for in the same time frame. But to be honest, when I think of UK sand, it's is that still on? Sorry, Toby. It's quite difficult to um, envisage how a whole house would be able to be built on a sandy section of ground in the first place. It sounds like something that would never actually be possible. But in a Middle Eastern context, the sand looks completely different to the sand we know in the UK. When the sun has baked Middle Eastern sand, it hardens and it starts to look and feel a lot like rock. The true consistency is actually kind of more like baked clay. When the rain comes in the Middle East, it's torrential, and everything, anything made even marginally of sand gets washed away really quickly. You can imagine the consistency of wet clay. The deep foundations of the house on the rock show their real value when the, when the rains came. The deeper the foundations, the more able we are to withstand those external pressures and avoid being knocked over when trials come. Jesus is comparing the religious lifestyle, a need to be seen, to show off, to look good, to always be Instagram ready. Um, He compares that to a kingdom way of living. If we let it change our motives, our hearts, our way of life, then we live the best life we possibly can, the path of truly following Christ. Our society is used to everything being instantly accessible. My generation in particular aren't good at slow progress or putting much effort into anything without immediate results. In general, we tend towards liking immediacy and little commitment, but becoming Christ-like doesn't come instantly. The word for wise in ancient Greek, so the language this was originally written in, is specifically related to a wisdom in practical action rather than a wisdom in knowledge, in age, in education. It tells of someone with good judgment and excellent character. It means having a level of preparedness, of lived out practical wisdom. It's not related to those with the highest level of education or those who know the most about a certain topic. Jesus is speaking of those who put his teaching into practice, those who hear it and then act on it those who take the time to learn and then walk that out in their daily life. It's the attitude of our hearts that Jesus tells us is more important than anything else. So what's behind our actions? Are we reacting out of spite? Are we seeking revenge? Or are we abounding in grace? Jesus demonstrates the character that he wants us to develop, gracious, forgiving, generous, hospitable, abounding in love. Through this parable, Jesus uses the rain to tell us that storms and trials will come in this life. He shows how life can be for us when that happens. Will our carefully constructed world fall around us at the first sign of trial? 
Whether or not we've heard his words and put them into practice, we will face trials. And the storms usually come at you with no warning. So we need to be ready for them. How can we be sure that we're ready? Now, we might approach this parable and and see it as a call to obey. In a way, it is. But I think what he wants us to do is to put legalism to one side and readdress our motives, making sure our hearts, our character, and our actions are all in line with his teaching. We can all fake it for a while, but our true character comes out fairly quickly. Foundations are often also known as resilience. That's kind of, I think that's society's version of foundations in a way. We talk about it an awful lot at work at the moment. I work at the hospital with budget cuts. So we talk about staff well-being, resilience against the odds. To be honest, it's probably more of an exercise in reducing the budget, staffing, equipment. How much can we remove and you all still stay standing? How can we make sure that the house doesn't come toppling down by putting in sort of minimal time, finance, effort, that sort of thing. Actually, Jesus is teaching us that, that we need to do that anyway, regardless of what's going around, on around us, regardless of the storms that might, we might be facing. He promises us that his truth is the truth, and it is a firm foundation, a consistent, unchanging constant that we can rely on. His truth will not shift with society's preferences and priorities. Kingdom living looks different. It's upside down. It looks like foolishness to the world sometimes. And it certainly did in the context of this teaching. Kingdom living sees us abounding in grace when grace isn't necessarily deserved. Forgiving when there's been no apology. Serving more than we're served. Trusting in God's provision rather than self-sufficiency putting down our worries for a life trusting in God's goodness, allowing him to provide for us rather than self-protection. Jesus tells us this is the foundation I want you to stand on. You're standing on the law. You're trusting it. You're looking to completely the wrong leader. You've got it upside down. It's not about presenting yourself well, about spouting the law, about correcting everyone else around you in an attempt to teach them. It's about your heart. It's about your character. It's about who you are behind closed doors when no one's watching. It's not about trying to look perfect, but it is about authenticity. Living lives that point to him even in moments when we feel as though we aren't quite making the mark. So the sand represents culture, society, people-pleasing, the hidden and less-than-desirable motives behind what we say and do, the world's teaching and promises. The rock is Jesus, his teaching and his promises. Now, foundations can always be restored. If we stand on the rock of Jesus' teaching rather than the sand of the world's promises, It's about digging deep foundations, being based on that truth, not being swayed by the latest culture or trend. The difference between the world's way and the kingdom way is that the world takes a little bit of truth and waters it down with all of its other values and mindsets. It becomes dilute and it isn't the truth anymore. 
Sand is a dilute form of rock. It does contain a lot of rock, but it's all mixed up with loads of other things. When all else is stripped away, what's left? Are we easily angered? Are we living in the moment so much that we're acting without considering the consequences? Are we living for immediacy rather than putting the time in to make sure our foundations are strong? As a society, I think we tend to look at aesthetics. We see the kind of pretty things on the surface often, don't we? We bought our house um, three years ago. It's a section of a converted barn with quite a few old features from the barn that was built in um, 1800. So anyone who's ever owned an old house will know the reality of it. The building regulations were fairly non-existent back then. It was also built as a barn, so it was built for animals. Um, it gets really cold. The reality of that challenge of owning a cold old house sunk in pretty quickly for us. We had our boiler serviced, uh, and we found out that whilst the previous owners had, had owned the house, the boiler had leaked and flooded the whole house. And rather than replacing it, they had essentially put a sticking plaster over it. The boiler looked fine from the outside, but as soon as we opened it up, we saw the corrosion, the cracks. It was only seven years old when we moved in, so we sh it shouldn't have had the level of corrosion that we saw. The boiler hadn't withstood the test of time. And financially, it was costly. Aesthetically, we had nothing to show for it. No one comes to your house and says, oh, what a lovely boiler, <laughs> do they? When they come, they look at curtains, wallpaper, furnishings. You know, we all, do, we all do. They look at the pretty things on the surface, but those things, they don't keep the house running. They don't even keep it standing. They add to it, but the more important parts of the house are behind the scenes. They're the foundations, the heating system, the hot water system. Jesus is saying that stuff, you know, the fluffy stuff, it looks good, it keeps us comfortable. But at the end of the day, it doesn't keep us standing. <clears throat> it doesn't support us in a crisis. So how will Jesus' foundations help us withstand the storms? Jesus tells us if we hear his words and we put them into practice, we will be rooted in his truth and his promises. We will have the foundations to withstand the storms and the trials. Life has seasons. There are times of trial. There are times when life feels really easy. It's really easy at those times to put your trust in all the joyful moments, the new relationship, the uh, work's going well, sailing through financially, everything, everything is going really well. But behind the scenes, there might just be the inside of that boiler, corroded, cracked, falling apart. We might be relying on something that might just fail us any day. And how much do we value the hidden work on the foundations to make sure our house stands through the storm? During the trials that will certainly come, we need to stand firm, to stand on his promises, his truth, to allow Christ to be our rock and our foundation. Let's be rooted in the truth of his promises, his love for us, our confidence that we are children of God. Foundations are unseen. Are we ready for them to be tested? Are we ready for that moment of storm, of trial, where our foundations are tested. 
How can we honor God and flourish in that? Within the parable, having strong foundations is not only the promise of a stable base that we won't collapse in a storm, but above that, you will flourish and shine brightly for Jesus wherever you are. So what can we do to have solid foundations so that we can weather the storms and shine brightly as Jesus' followers? Jesus is giving us a choice here. He asks us how we are going to act going ahead. Now we've heard his teaching, what will we do with that? Jesus challenges us not to simply accept him or to believe in him. The aim of the Sermon on the Mount is to present Jesus in his kingdom vision for his people, and we have a choice in that. What will our response look like? Will we embrace him? Will we accept the challenge? to put into practice what he teaches us here. So out of, the t- <clears throat> excuse me, out of the time spent in God's presence, in fellowship, in prayer, listening to teaching, reading the Bible, we become more like him and our characters change. Out of that character comes the motives of our heart. We're transformed by what, whatever we spend time doing. Let's become like Jesus. Let's sit in his presence and allow him to shape our character. And let's try and apply his words daily. We need to keep practicing. We won't get there first time. Little by little, slowly but surely, we'll be transformed if we put them into practice. I think Advent is, um, <clears throat> is such a good time to be able to look back and take stock reassess our foundations and our true system. It's that in-breath, the expectant pause before a choir starts to sing, that moment when you're waiting for that beauty, the moment of preparation before we celebrate the King. So let's just take a few minutes to pause today, just a minute without being busy, without actively singing our worship, but start reflecting on where we've placed our foundations. So the prayer ministry team, I think, will be available down the side of the church if you want someone else to to stand with you in prayer. But for the moment, let's just have a moment in in silence just to reflect on um, where we think our foundations might be and how we can look to put Jesus' teaching into practice.